Welcome to the Renovate Podcast. My name is Ben Fuquay. I'm one of the young adult pastors here at Christ Chapel. And at Renovate this last week, we stepped into the question in regards to relationships, how do we know if they're the one? And once we figure that out, how do we take the next steps in a godly way? Enjoy. Amen. How are you tonight? Sweet. Uh, love you. I'm excited. We've got a lot to talk about, so we can't mess around, man. We got to get after it. A couple things. One, we want, uh, we want you guys to be a part of this series. So <clears throat> if you're kind of stepping in uh, in the middle of this thing or tonight's your first night, love that you're here. By the way, my name is Ben. I work here. We are glad that you're here. We're glad that... Uh, you're with us. Um, and we, we're doing this relationship series right now. And we're talking about, man, what's this biblical perspective of relationships and, uh, and how does this work? And, and what does the wisdom from God say about it? And how do we navigate relationships in, in our lives? <clears throat> and I want to say too, that if you are here and you are, uh, you're not a follower of Christ, right? Yet, I would say yet. Um, and maybe you're searching and maybe you're like, I'm not sure if this is for me. For one, I love, I want you to hear me say, <clears throat> I love that you're here. You are in the right place. Um, I love that you're searching. I love if you're asking questions. I love that you've got huge doubts about this whole surrendering to Christ and this whole churchy thing that we do. Um, I love that. And we would love to keep walking with you. Um, and, and what you're gonna get to see tonight and, and next week is kind of this behind the curtain, right? That's what you're walking into tonight is, man, we're gonna talk about relationships from the context of what it looks like for people who say, man, my life is not my own. I'm surrendered to Christ. And what does the Bible say? And how am I supposed to navigate this if this God is who he said he was and, and did what he said he did? Then his design for relationships is important. And so it's a room full of people trying to wrap our heads and our hearts and our hands around what that looks like to have godly relationships. And so if that's not where you're at right now, I love that you're here. Keep coming, keep uh, experiencing that and seeing that. And my hope is that God will continue to change your heart because I think he's better than anything else you're gonna chase. So please come, come being a part of it. Just know that that's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to people who have assumed, yes, I wanna do it the godly way. Um, and then the other thing is we want this series to be, we want y'all to have participation in the series. So we wanna hear from you. So there's a phone number that we've got on the bottom of, of all the slides. It's, it's here, 682-200-0012. And, uh, and we'd love your text messages about questions you have, objections you have, things you push back on, things that you feel like aren't getting answered yet, that kind of stuff. And that's been really fruitful to kind of see y'all's reaction is. So throughout the night, as you think of things, man, text us. And specifically the last couple of weeks, we're going to spend a lot of time kind of uh, being guided and steered by really where you guys are at and some feedback that you guys have or some questions that you guys still have or pushback you have. So um, yeah, we, we want you to engage with us as much as possible, man. Uh, okay. So uh, in the context of talking about relationships, I, uh, I want us to talk about next steps and, and what that looks like, how we know and what that looks like. Uh, I am now, you are looking at uh, the official head coach of the Green T-Rex T-Ball team for the, uh, yep, yep, yep. That's right, that would be me. <clears throat> I'm gonna tell you about my team. It's my son Charlie's team. He's five years old. It's full of a bunch of five-year-olds. We suck at T-Ball. We are really, really bad at T-ball. We had our first game, games, two back-to-back. It was a doubleheader because that's how we roll. Uh, and it, we were bad, like really, really bad. Like if their T-ball playing is a picture of where their life is going, they will all be miserable failures in life. <laughs> I am coaching and raising at least one of them to be a horrible, horrible failure. They were awful, guys. Am I projecting a little bit of that on their life? Yes, I am a little bit. Uh, they were bad. And here's one of the many reasons. One, their coach sucks. Two, uh, <clears throat> two um, they don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of things they don't understand, uh, and it's hard to explain it to them, but they don't know where to throw the ball. That's one of just the fundamental things. <laughs> The ball hits off the tee. And we've, I promise, we've run through it. 
And they'll, first of all, they won't be paying attention. They're playing with grass and playing with dirt. And when the ball comes, they get the ball. <clears throat> eventually, they get the ball and they just have no concept of where to throw it to. Like they will throw it deeper into the outfield or they'll throw it to home for some random reason or they'll throw it to first when the guy is already rounding second to third. They're just, they don't have a concept of where to throw the ball. And yet everyone in the entire little t-ball field is yelling at what base to throw it at. And we even run drills. I run drills as an efficient coach I am. I say, hey, everybody, point to second base. And some of them slowly get it and they point and they still just can't throw it. Here's what we're doing tonight. Watch this segue. This is gonna be great. <clears throat> um, <laughs> We, we, uh, we are navigating relationships, right? We're navigating relationships. And if we're people who say, man, I wanna do this in a godly way, uh, we have to navigate them in, with wisdom. And so no matter where you're at in the relationship game, if you are married, if you are engaged, if you're like Chike and you're like basically done with engagement, he's right there, yes. Um, <laughs> yes, right? Scott, what's the hour, 48 hours, maybe? 48 hours from now? Be married? Nice. Um, right, like you're, right, wherever you're at, whether you are dating, whether you are not dating, whether you have never dated, anywhere in the spectrum of where you are, man, we wanna talk about, man, what does that next step look like? What's that next step look like? What does that look like? And be prepared to step into that. Man, that is wisdom. In relationships, man, as they come at us, it is a powerful God-designed thing for us to be in relationships and, and in most, in a lot of cases, romantic relationships. Um, it's not an entitlement we have. It's not an entitlement that everyone gets one, but it is a blessing and it is a neat thing and it is a gift from the Lord for those who experience that. But do we know what we're doing? Because if we wait to be in the moment in a relationship, and if we wait till the, if you're tracking with me here in this illustration, the ball is hit, and we don't know where we're going with it, and we don't know where to throw it, and we don't know what that next step is, we don't know how to lead that, then we're not setting ourselves up to be godly leaders in this room. We're not setting ourselves up to be godly relational leaders who are leading spiritually and following the Lord well. And so that's what we're talking about tonight is how do we know, right? How do we know in the context of relationships if this is a green light or a red light? How do we know in those phases? And then how do we take that next step? Um, Here's what I wanna do in answering that question specifically. So there's kind of two parts of tonight. How do we know? And then how do we take that next step? And, and so that idea of how do we know, I wanna answer in three parts. And, and some of those are gonna be pretty quick because they're gonna be kind of review. And so I wanna review what we talked about real briefly in the last couple of weeks. And I hope that you see, it's not just review. I want us to see how the puzzle of God's design starts to fit together. And when we talked about the first week and when we talked about the second week, how it starts to fit together and answer some of the questions that we have about relationships. So uh, in the very first week of this thing, we kicked it off by talking about the purpose of marriage. And specifically, um, I, I even would even back up a step further and say the purpose of dating. And the purpose of dating, the purpose of dating, I believe, is for marriage. I don't believe there's any other context scripturally or biblically that you can support anything else other than dating is for the purpose of marriage. And, and if you want to know how hardcore and rigid I am in that, I am the parent who is going to not allow my kid to have a girlfriend, my son to have a girlfriend in fourth grade, right? I'm that guy. And, and, and I'm not gonna lose any sleep over that. And I'm not judging you if you're gonna be the parent that did that, or you were the person that like had the fourth grade girlfriend or the fourth grade boyfriend and you dated for fun and it was the social thing to do. I get it. I did that too. In fact, a confession I had, this is gonna get weird because my wife's in the room. I had a sixth grade girlfriend. Her name was Shannon Carpenter. And it was one of those like her friend came up to me and asked me and I told her friend. So it was like, I didn't, you know, but it was kind of the check the box thing where I was like, yes, I will go out with you. And so we were boyfriend and girlfriend and we never broke up. <laughs> sixth grade, it was the first six weeks of the year. We never broke up. By Thanksgiving, we had ceased to talk and we just were just kind of, our relationship kind of dissolved. Guys, it was real sad. Uh, but we just never actually broke up. So if you think about it, I am married to Danielle Fuqua, but I am technically, technically still dating Shannon Carpenter. It's a whole thing right now. So we're gonna sneak over to Soul Care afterwards and work through some, some things. Uh, but it's ridiculous, right? Like it's ridiculous. And I, I don't really, that's not really an important soapbox to make, but here's at least the illustration I want to get from that. When we do that, right? Even just the, the fun harmlessness of, oh man, a third grader, these two third graders are, are dating or they're together. What we're doing 
right? What we're doing, right, in this unnecessary soapbox that I'm about to stand on here is, man, we're saying, hey, the purpose of dating is just for fun, right? It's just two little third graders. It's harmless fun of two little third graders playing, playing grown up, right? Playing high school. But then when you get to high school, it's, oh, now it's just two high schoolers playing married, right? And, and it's this progression of somewhere along the cultural way, we've kind of bought into this idea that, that dating is also just kind of this social thing you're supposed to do unrelated to any goal or any purpose outside of worldly purposes of status, right? Or, or social norms or, and so I would push back, right? I would lovingly push back on the idea. And when Charlie says he's got a third grade girlfriend, I'm gonna sit him down. I'm gonna say, so tell me why, what's the purpose? Where's this relationship going, right? How are you guarding her heart? Are you prepared to provide for her, right? We're gonna have a whole conversation. I'm gonna get an Excel spreadsheet and we're gonna walk through budgets and what it looks like to spiritually lead, you know, a young woman in this. I want to train my kids, and, it's a, and that, I'm a half joking on that, but I, I really think, man, dating, dating is for marriage. What is marriage for? The purposes of marriage. I'm gonna unpack them real quick. We talked about this uh, the very first week, so I'm gonna go quickly through it, and it'll be review for some of you and maybe new for some of you guys. Um, first, it's for sanctification, right? One of the God's designs, and this is not unique to marriage, this is just all throughout God's design for us as believers, those who are followers of Christ who say, yes, my life is his. Everything we do then, God begins to sanctify us, which is this fancy word for maturing us, maturing us, growing us, right? In scripture, it talks about it once you, you had milk and then you moved on to solid food, right? It's this idea that spiritually we should be maturing to look more and more like Jesus, to walk in holiness out of the response for the complete 100% grace we've been given. And so marriage is designed to be this sanctifying relationship. There is no one, there is no earthly person who knows my sin more than my wife. She knows my sin for some crazy reason because of her godliness and foundation with the Lord. She still loves me, meets me there in the midst of that, speaks grace and speaks truth. Both of those things in tandem is what her, her love towards me looks like in appropriate ways, at times just really speaking truth, at other times really speaking grace, uh, always under the context of her loving and pushing me to look more like Jesus. God uses relationships for sanctification. It is a purpose of marriage, right? It should be a goal of, of marriage. Uh, second one is illustration. Real clearly, we see this in Ephesians 5. If you remember, we talked about Ephesians 5, and there's this context that Paul's talking about uh, the wife should submit to the husband as the church submits to Christ, and the husband should love the wife as Jesus loves the church. And what did he do? He laid down his life for the church. And so it should be this beautiful picture for the world to see of look at the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul explicitly says, man, this is the mystery of marriage. It is a picture of how Jesus loves us. And I want marriage and designed marriage so that the world around could look at a marriage. Two imperfect people who are loving each other under the banner of this person, I'm married to a sinner and I love them. I love them and I am sacrificing for them and I am serving them even though they don't deserve it, right? And it is this beautiful picture of how Jesus loves us. Right? And so it should be an illustration. It's one of the other purposes and goals of marriage. And then third, mission. Right? Marriage designed is designed to be mission, a partnership specifically. Uh, if we are, we are to be not unequally yoked, and that's not talking about you shouldn't marry somebody that is a different height than you or a different age than you. Unequally yoked is, is referring to someone else, marry someone else who is in Christ. Marry someone else who is also following and dedicated to Jesus. Don't marry someone who is not also dedicated to Jesus Christ. And so marriage is this picture of two people dedicated to Christ, serving him, being obedient to all that Christ calls us to live on mission, to be salt to the world around us, to be light to this dark world around us. Proverbs 31, we talked about the first week, is this really cool picture that you see this kind of glimpse through this incredible woman. You see this glimpse of this marriage and this partnership of how they're just dominating the city and, and bringing honor to God. Inadvertently too, and, and real parenthetically, we also talked about singleness the first week that I just want you to th throw these up here. Singleness also has these same, these purposes are not things that, oh man, I can't experience God's purposes for sanctification, illustration, and mission without being married because 
Coincidentally, singleness, those are also those. Singleness, we see mission. We, we see illustration uh, as far as our, our satisfaction and fulfillment, uh, sufficiency in Christ. And then we also see sanctification in our single life as well. And, and the mission for uh, someone who isn't married or isn't married yet, uh, Paul even says, man, you're gonna be more effective. You're gonna be more effective. Your attention is less divided. And so we, we say that just, I want you to see that for those who aren't married, that this isn't a, you're not incomplete. You're not missing out on these aspects of God. But I want us to also know if the purpose of dating is marriage and the purpose of marriage is these things like, are we an illustration of who Jesus is? Are we, are we signing up for a covenant that's going to sanctify and sharpen and change us and push us to look more like Jesus? Are we, are we really on mission? Are we really on mission with this person? Is this a person that I would want to be on mission with to make much of Jesus? How do we know? Question at the very beginning of this, how do we know if this is the right person? And I don't just mean if this is the right person to marry. I mean, if this is the right person to ask out on that first date. I mean, if this is the right person to say, okay, I had one date, how do I know if I should go on a second date with this person? At any level of that evaluation, right? At any level of that, how do we know if this is the right person? First way, we're, we're gonna answer it in three different ways. The first way is that, those purposes. Keeping the perspective in mind of what you're signing up for. When you ask the question, man, how do I know? Look at the purpose of what God designed. Look at the purpose of what God designed. And do you have that perspective, right? Do you have his perspective for the way he designed relationships? Uh, and is it someone that, man, that, that person is gonna sanctify me. That person's gonna push me to Jesus. Man, that person is going, that person is going to be an illustration of the gospel. They get it. And I believe that that's somebody who, who at least after our first date, I think I can take a baby step forward because I think they believe the same thing. Or after 20 dates, I think that they think, so whatever scale that is for you, ask those questions. Look at the purpose. Look at the goal of what you're signing up for. If you were, if you were in charge of forming a, uh, a, a team, and a marathon running team, right? I'm not sure if that's a thing. I assume it's a thing, right? Putting together a team of people to go win a marathon. You were in charge of that. You knew your goal and your purpose, right? Okay, man, I gotta put together this team of people who are gonna have to compete in a marathon. You're probably not gonna go and recruit an offensive lineman, right? You're not going to. And offensive linemen are unbelievably athletic and the design, and that is a hard, hard position in football to play, but because you have the goal in mind of what you're pursuing and the purpose in mind of what you're pursuing, it's going to change how you evaluate. Does that make sense? To answer the question, how do I know? You've got to know and be steadfast in what's the, what is the designer of this relationship? What was his purpose in making marriage? And keeping those things in the forefront because we wanna make a major out of the minors. And that's how we get upside down in relationships and dating and we end up dating the wrong person. We end up getting in these toxic relationships because we, we make majors out of minors instead of keeping the big purposes in mind as we're pursuing, as we're taking steps forward in dating and engagement and relationships and that. So that's the first layer. The second layer of how I would answer this question of how do you know? One, look at the big purpose. Does this person kind of start to fit into that? Could you see this person being a, a compliment towards those purposes of marriage? The second is this. We talked about it last week. It's just the evaluation process, right? We talked about this idea of foundation of a house, right? The, the, the proper, are we evaluating properly? There's a foundation to a house that should be our fulfillment in Christ. There's the walls, there's character, and there's a roof of chemistry. I wanna slow down and, and just kind of walk through this picture, right? Here's my amazingly drawn house. The foundation of your evaluation, the foundation of your evaluation of someone else is not about that person. It is about your fulfillment in Christ. I get asked all the time um, about someone else, right? So a, a brother of mine might come to me like, man, what, what do you think about this girl? And I don't know, we've been dating for this long, or I'm, I'm, I'm curious, or I'm, you know, and I, and I want to help them evaluate. That's one of my roles. We should do that. The community, they're seeking wise counsel, the first place I'm gonna go is I'm gonna say, man, tell me about you. Right? I'm gonna start trying to discern and identify what their walk looks like. When you are evaluating someone else, you start with the foundation of that evaluation being that you are fulfilled in Christ. 
Are you finding fulfillment in Christ? Or are you looking for someone to fulfill you in a way they never will? Because if you don't have a fulfillment in Christ as your foundation, and if you're looking for someone else to fulfill you, and you have that lens in which you're evaluating and dating and pursuing a guy or pursuing a girl, then that person will, all, it will always become toxic. Either maybe you can prolong it, maybe you can kind of mask some of that, maybe you don't realize the toxicness until five or 10 years down the line, but if you are not finding your fulfillment in Jesus Christ for your fulfillment, and you are looking and you are dating out of your insecurity rather than your security, then you will always be building your house. No matter, no matter the character of woman or man that you start pursuing, no matter the chemistry that you have with this person, your house is built on sand. If you have not evaluated and made a priority of, man, am I finding my fulfillment in Christ? And guess what? Fulfillment in Christ, like we talked about last week, is not a box you check. It is not a box you check. Finding our fulfillment in Christ is not a, okay, okay, I, I'm gonna be fulfilled in Christ. It is not the box you check. It is the oxygen of the Christian life. It's the oxygen of the Christian life on a daily basis to say, man, I wanna find my fulfillment in Christ, not in my wife, not in my job, not in this girl I'm dating or that guy I'm pursuing or this, all of those things, right? All of the other things that we would want to find our identity and our fulfillment and our security and, our, and want those, they will all come up short. It's fundamental to what we believe about the whole of scripture and the narrative God gives us. If you ask, man, is this person right for me? How do I know? How can I tell? You've gotta make sure that you're evaluating with the right goggles on and you've gotta make sure that you have a foundation that you are not trying to evaluate somebody to fill something in you that they will never be able to fill. Foundationally, are you finding fulfillment and pursuing that on a daily basis? It's not the box you check. You can't hear that and be like, oh yeah, I got that, I got that one. No, I'm 35, I'm still fighting daily to find my fulfillment in Christ. It is a muscle we are constantly spiritually trying to build more and more. It is the oxygen we breathe as Christians. We need to keep breathing it, keep preaching it to ourselves. And then, yes, you look at the other person. After you have some level of that and some trajectory of health towards that and you're working towards that and you are, are breathing in that oxygen of, Lord, my life is submitted to you and I find my, then yes, you evaluate by looking at someone else's character, right? By looking at her character or his character. And is it godly? Is it a godly character? I talked about Galatians 5, 22 through 24 last, uh, last week in, in I think maybe a more general way to look at character, which is the fruit of the spirit. The reality is you, you could do an entire word study, Bible study on what biblical character looks like. It would take you a year, but I would encourage you to do it. I'd encourage you to do it. Spend some time looking all throughout scripture of what does godly character look like? What's godly character look like? Because if you are trying to evaluate and date and all of the, and navigate relationships and, and even be in a marriage with someone else of character and lead that person and speak into their godly character and, and help shape and sharpen and sanctify them, then you've got to know what it looks like. You've got to know what it looks like. You've got to be in the word of God. You've got to be applying it in your life. You've got to be pursuing truth. And then yes, looking for godly character. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's just, that's just a broad way to take a stab at it, to say, man, is there godly character in this person's life? And let me say something else on that. I want to be sensitive here. Look, let me encourage you, sisters, I guess brothers too, but I like the sisters more. Um, <clears throat> look, hey, calm down. Uh, look, at, uh, look, look at the recent track record too, right? Look at the recent track record too. You know who has, you know who has good fruit of the spirit in their life? Every Christian guy on their first date, right? Like, like if you are a godly girl and you are, you know, you got at least, you at least Instagram one quiet time a month, right? And people know you as like, oh yeah, she's a Christian. And maybe you're attracting, maybe you got a guy who's pursuing you, right? And he's a Christian guy and maybe very genuinely solid Christian guy. You know who has, who looks like they've got good fruit, Christian fruit in their life? Every Christian guy in the first three months of dating someone. 
And we do that. And that's not just one way. It's both ways, right? We lead with our best foot and we, we and, and it's not just a manipulative thing. I don't want to throw the guys under the bus. It's a, it's a, we, we would like to project that. We're going to lead in the way and that's important. If they, if they don't even look like they've got fruit on the first date, run, right? <laughs> like if they're not even pretending to have it, right? Then whoa, huge red flag. But, but I say that because I, I want to encourage you to be discerning to be discerning and not just say, well, man, he talks. I mean, he says all the right things. And man, the first three months of dating, he really is done. Yes, yes, because he likes you and that's great. But be discerning. And, and if you say, huh, well, that's cool that by, by date one, he had those fruit, but he just got out of this really, really unhealthy, really toxic thing that was really ungodly, right? Or, or this, this recent track record in his life. And I, I want to make sure you hear me Last week, man, we landed this whole plane on the grace of God that restores and redeems. We have a God who brings the dead to life. We have a God that loves sinners. We have a God that redeems sinners. We have a God that, that called a prophet to go marry a prostitute because that is what his love looks like and continue to pursue that. So I want you to hear the grace of God, but I also want, want you to be discerning in how you're walking and how you're evaluating. And I want my sisters in the room to walk cautiously too, to, to continue to just guard your heart and take care of it. They're godly guys, right? They're godly guys in this room there. I'm not, I'm not saying every guy that you date is just gonna be faking it for the first three months. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, I, I think as we're evaluating character, be careful also and, and seek wise counsel, get feedback from community, talk about those things. Is there a vulnerability about Pass in? Is there a vulnerability and humility to identify, man, let me talk about, man, we're a whole bunch of sinners in this room. We're, if, if our past and track record invalidated us, none of us would get relationships, right? So praise God that it doesn't. But what's, their, what's our posture, right? What's that girl you're dating, that guy you're dating, what is their posture when they talk about those mistakes? Is it, man, they see the grace of God? Is it that they, there is a humility? Is it that if it's, well, that girl was really bad, but now you're bringing out this really good thing in me. If you hear that, and that is water, to, that is honey to your ears, and you hear somebody say, man, yeah, I was in a really bad, but now what you are bringing out in me is really good, you are not designed. You are not the soil in which good things are brought out of someone. That's idolatrous. And we all think it and feel it, and, and my wife sharpens and, and stirs some affections for the Lord, but, but don't, don't fall into an idolatrous relationship where you're looking for somebody else, again, to be your foundation, to be the foundation, to be where these good things come from. My point as you're pursuing character is always see people through the grace of Jesus Christ and the newness of life that he's given them. See them that way. See them the way Christ sees them. Speak into that. Do you hear me? Speak truth and life and grace into their life, but also be wise and discerning as you're giving your heart away, as you're stepping into really vulnerable relationships. Be wise and cautious and discerning. Look to their character. And then, yes, look to uh, chemistry as well. <clears throat> look to chemistry as well. Uh, it's important it really is. Uh, I don't know why. I just want to de-emphasize it. <laughs> and I think, I think it's probably my own issue there. I, I read a lot of books that I think spend a lot of time on chemistry and focus a lot on that. And I think it's important. But in my amazing drawing here, man, you can have a leaky roof. You can have a leaky roof. And, um, and man, you don't, I don't want you to have a leaky roof, but you can have a leaky roof. I'd rather you have a leaky roof than a, a, no foundation to your house that's going to crumble or you don't have walls on your house. Where are you gonna even put the roof, right? So chemistry is important. We'll talk more about that in the last week. And if you wanna kind of get into the weeds, it's just, it's so different and, and it's such a, a preference-driven thing and, uh, and, and it is important, but that's something that we're gonna push off a couple weeks. Uh, it's important, man, is there that chemistry? But don't make it the main thing. Don't major in the minors. Don't over-prioritize, man, the chemistry that I have. That was what the world would tell you. Man, find somebody that you have great chemistry with. I mean, if the chemistry is good, then they get a rose. <laughs> if the chemistry isn't good, they don't get a rose. That show is satanic, guys. 
It is a satanic show. Yes. And yet, I love watching it. <laughs> Calm down. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to, I almost went somewhere and I'm not going to go there. Okay. Don't, just don't get it backwards, right? Just don't, just don't get it backwards, right? Chemistry is important. That's a, that's a part of relationships. It's a part of how, how do I know if this person's right, right? Focus on, man, am, what's my fulfillment in Christ looking like? And man, what does their godly character look like? And how is it growing? And what is that looking like? And then, yeah, man, is there some chemistry? Thing? Yeah, what does that look like? And, and then, yes. The reality, though, too, is people are gonna change. And so some of that chemistry is gonna be kind of a moving target. Man, if you're dating towards marriage and you end up marrying somebody for, let's say, 50, your entire life, which is what you're signing up for, then, man, let's say the Lord gives you 50 years of life together or, or 55 years of, of marriage together, then great, but you're gonna change a lot. Your preferences, your style of communication, your all different kinds of things are gonna change. So make sure chemistry isn't the foundation that you're building things on. Okay, so how do we know? So how do we know? We have proper perspective, right? What's, what's the goal? What's God's design and goal for marriage? Is that line up? Is that line up with with somebody in your life that maybe you want to pursue or that you are pursuing, man, does it line up? Man, these goals of God's design and sanctification and illustration and mission, man, I could see that. A proper evaluation that you're, that you're not looking for this person to fill something that they can't fill, right? Your evaluation has a healthy foundation of your fulfillment, that you're pursuing, evaluating them to say, man, what does the Bible call this godly man to look like or this godly woman to look like? And then the third thing I would say is how do you know that, that third layer of how I would answer that question is you pray and you listen. You pray and you listen. How do you know you have a proper perspective? You fight to have that. You have a proper evaluation, right? You don't get evaluation all wompy jawed and put other stuff before other. And then you pray and you listen. Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Man, are you trusting in the Lord as you listen and as you pray? Are you asking him to make straight your paths? Are you asking him for, are you leaning on your own understanding or are you trusting in the Lord? That it would increase your prayer life in seasons of questioning and seasons of anxiety and then you would listen. You would listen to the word of God who speaks through this thing we call the Bible, through this thing we study. He speaks through it. And so you would find time to be still and know him and listen to his word. And if you're a journaler, you journal. And if you're not a journaler, you stare at the wall and pray. And well, whatever that looks like, you find time for stillness. And then you also use biblical community the way God has designed it to be. To say, hey man, here's, here's what I'm taking to the Lord. What do you think? And when you speak into this, and you find other people who are also walking with the Lord. And you pray and you listen and you pray and you listen and you make sure, am I evaluating properly? Am I, am I seeing properly the whole goal of this? Have I not perverted this goal to be somehow about my own satisfaction? And do I have a proper perspective? Do I have proper evaluation in place? And then am I praying and listening and praying and listening? And as you're doing that then, how do you take the next steps? Or how do you take the next steps? If it's a yes or if it's a no, if it's a yes to the second date, if it's anywhere on the spectrum of relationships, what does that look like? And so quickly, I wanna talk about what it looks like if it's a yes and then what it looks like with a no and then we're gonna just respond in, in worshiping uh, and, and hopefully being still in the midst of this evening and, and also listening. Uh, if it's a yes, right? If you feel like, man, I got a, a perspective that's healthy, right? I, my evaluation of this, this person seems really healthy. I've prayed, I've sought wise counsel. Then I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you three things, three lines of, of wisdom that I want you to hear. One, don't outpace your obedience, don't outpace obedience to the Lord. And here's what I mean by that. Um, Proverbs 5 talks about this, this young man who is lured down to this, this woman uh, who, who is sin and represents sexual immorality and all these things. And this father and this wisdom are saying, no, no, run from that, flee from that. Don't go down that path. Uh, we see in scripture that our hearts are deceitful. Our hearts are wicked. We, we can't always trust our hearts. Um, so often, 
especially if you are in a relationship or have been in a relationship where you feel like, at least in some way, it's like, man, I feel like this is a yes. Whether that's for a second date or, man, we're gonna become a Facebook official or, man, we're really taking these next little yeses, little baby steps in this process to see where this relationship leads um, and, and pursuing in a godly way. And as you take this step, yes, so often our tendency is to outpace obedience. And, and here's what I mean. Here's how this played out in my life. I was dating this girl named Danielle Archibald. Uh, and, uh, and, and it was, um, it was an awesome start to our relationship, honestly, man, it was this awesome thing. And, and for about six months, it was just, there was a lot of just purity. And honestly, I hadn't dated a ton. Uh, I had dated very little actually. And I really didn't want to date until it was like, man, I'm ready to get married or I'm at least in that ballpark. And so, uh, and then she came along and she ruined everything, wrecked my plans. Cause I was like, dang it. I didn't want to date. I wanted to be homeless. And then she came and I was like, all right, I'm going to date her anyway. Six months in, right? Six months in, I feel like I'm really talking to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, is this from you? And am I pursuing this girl? And I really felt this confirmation, this yes from the Lord. It's like, yes, quit. Quit pushing, quit being selfish, Ben. Quit making your world and your future around you and your plans. Like, this is my daughter and I have blessed you with this relationship. And so I really got this affirmation of a yes. Here's what I did with that yes. I took it and I said, cool, I'll take it from here, God. And what was a really incredible six months of our relationship, really leading faithfully, cautiously uh, for, for the first six months of pursuing and dating Danielle turned into my selfishness and turned into, I'm excited that I feel like I got a yes from the Lord. And now I'm gonna do this the way I wanna do it, God. Because man, I feel like I got a big fat yes. I feel like this is the girl. So I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna set the pace of our relationship and I'm gonna do what I wanna do now because she's gonna, I mean, at that point, six months in, I was pretty convinced this girl's gonna be my wife. So I'm gonna start playing married in some ways that I'm not called to play married to yet. And I led us into a lot of sexual sin because I just outpaced obedience. And I just said, man, God, you gave me this girl that I'm gonna marry, sweet, that's awesome. I'll take it from here. I no longer have to walk in step with you in obedience to you. I got it from here, God, because I know at the end of the day, we're gonna be married and there's gonna be grace to cover mistakes in our engagement anyway and in our dating life. And so, man, I just got to misapply all of that. And I just, I outpaced obedience. And so if there is yeses in your life and maybe this is, maybe you're there now, maybe this is something that you've seen in the past. It's like, man, I do that. I take it and I just say, I'll take it from here, God and how dangerous that is, and how much damage I reaped into our relationship. The fellowship that was broken between Danielle and I for a period of time when we broke up because our relationship just got selfish and toxic and I wasn't leading spiritually and it was no longer on a foundation of Christ. It was on a foundation of what we wanted and our happiness and our joy and our instant gratification and, uh, and fellowship between us and the Lord. God never changed. But in my disobedience, I'm kind of I'm sliding away from him, even though his love hasn't changed and, and breaking Danielle's fellowship with the Lord in some, in some ways, not his love for her, not his consistency with her, but yeah, this, this distance that I'm dragging her from because we are so, our tendency is, man, I got it from here. I wanna do this relationship the way I wanna do it. So man, if you're in, if you're dating and you think, man, I, th I think these are some yeses, whether those are big yeses or little yeses, man, don't outpace God's obedience of how he's calling you to walk in that relationship, which is always obedient and submitted to him and what it looks like in a godly relationship. Second thing I tell you, and it goes right in tandem with that, boundaries, that's not the end of my sentence, boundaries are worshipful. Boundaries are worshipful. And man, if you are trying to do this relationship thing, boundaries should be a part. Physical, when I say boundaries, I mean physical, I mean saying, hey, until we're married, we are brother and sister in Christ. Until I've stood before God, then you are not mine, right? Your body is not mine. That's what you are saying as a follower of Christ, of saying, man, this is not ours yet. And this is the God's daughter or God's son. And so because of that, 
We create boundaries in dating to say, man, we want to be obedient to who Christ is and how he's called us to function in this relationship. And so sometimes we outpace our obedience and then boundaries come in and they say, man, I'm gonna set some boundaries to make sure that I'm not physically going to places that don't belong to me yet with this woman or with this guy. They don't belong to me yet. Even if I think they're going to in a year or in three months, or, but I'm gonna set boundaries. And here's the beautiful thing I want you to hear. Boundaries are worshipful. So often, so often we think uh, boundaries are this begrudging thing. Oh my gosh, we gotta have these boundaries. Oh my gosh, I hate this. This is so hard. And oh man, we're, we're setting a curfew for ourselves, or we're saying we can't do this or we've got these boundaries to protect the godliness of our relationship right, to, to do it the way God has called us to, to do this relationship and to set these boundaries. And instead, why can't we see them and say, man, what an awesome opportunity for worship? Why can't I, I see them? And, and why can't we see boundaries the way Christ would dictate that we are called to deny ourselves? We're called to deny ourselves. And so for a season in relationships, if you are a believer, if you say, man, I am following Christ and I wanna have a relationship that is a godly relationship, then you will have boundaries to say, we're not gonna go this far. Your body is not mine. We're gonna have, we're gonna have emotional boundaries in, in when we say we love each other. We're gonna, have, we're gonna set some boundaries of, of things that we don't move too fast on and we track in step with where the Holy Spirit is leading us and where wise counsel, biblical counsel is is encouraging us to walk in step with the Spirit. But why can't we see that as worshipful, right? We're called in Scripture, we're told in Scripture about fasting, right? This whole idea of fasting and, you know, you, you stop eating for a week or a day or three days or 40 days or whatever it is. And we're told in Scripture that when you're fasting, you don't like walk around and put dirt on your face. Like, oh man, fast is so hard, man. I, I'm so hungry, man. I hate fasting, this is awful. No, you like clean yourself up when you're fasting and you walk out and you don't, you don't just begrudgingly hate fasting, you, you clean yourself up because what you're doing in fasting is you're saying, I'm denying myself for this little season because God is better than whatever it is I'm denying. Because Jesus is better than whatever it is I'm denying. And I trust him more than I trust immediate gratification. I trust him. In the same way, boundaries should be worshipful for us. And I know that's counterintuitive. I know that's hard. And it's an easy thing to say. And it's a hard thing to put in practice. But that would be my encouragement and my challenge. If you're getting yeses, that you put boundaries in your relationship until it's an appropriate time. And then you celebrate those boundaries. And you say, man, this is an opportunity for us to be glorifying to God. Oh, but man, I got to go home early. And oh, man, we're not going to lay down on the couch together because we realize I can't project on you boundaries. That's gonna have to depend on you guys and what, where you struggle and where you find disobedience creeping in. Boundaries can be absolutely worshipful, should be worshipful. And then the last thing is that you, are continue, that you continue in faithful prayer, right? If there is a yes, how do you move forward? You don't outpace obedience. You find boundaries worshipful, which is a struggle but it just takes a bigger view of Jesus than what you want. That's what it takes to find out. It takes, and I love Jesus more than I love what I want right now. And then you continue faithful prayer, step by step. Last thing then, what if it's a no? What if as you're making these steps, it's a no? Uh, one, if you're the breaker upper, if you're the one who says, man, I think this is a no, whether it's after the first date, whether it's after being asked out on the date, whether it's after a year, whatever it is. Um, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this, but if you're the breaker upper, honest communication. And just honest communication. Real, real easy to say, hard to do, honest communication, and then trust the Lord with it. Um, if you are the one who is broken up with, here's my prayer. My prayer is that you would remember your foundation. Right? My prayer is that you would remember where we find our fulfillment in the first place. And it was never going to be in that relationship. Easy to say, hard to believe with our life. That's my prayer though. Romans 8 verse 5. And how do we heal from this, right? Where's our perspective? Romans 8 verse 5, Paul says this. He says, for those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Where are you setting your mind? Right, even in the midst of hard circumstances and rejection and pain, where are you setting your mind? 
Is it on the things of the flesh? Is it on the things of the world? Or is it, okay, I'm gonna fight to set my mind on the things of the spirit. Because look what happens in verse six. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. I want that for you, brothers. I want that for you, sisters. Life and peace. So fighting to set your mind on the spirit. Go get in biblical community. Go fill your head with worship music. Go continue to be in the word of God. Go continue to drown out no matter how deep or hurt or damaging or hurtful that relationship was. God's grace is bigger. His fulfillment is bigger. That relationship wasn't going to fulfill you. We know that. It was good, whether it neat thing, I'm sure. But we set our minds on the spirit where there is life and there is peace. And the hard thing about that, man, the hard thing about this idea of setting our mind on the spirit as opposed to the flesh is, man, the flesh is just so tangible. Man, the flesh is just so tangible. Man, that relationship was so tangible. And so, yeah, we get it, Ben. Just love Jesus more. Sing worship songs. Love him. Have a heart for Jesus. I get that. But man, this guy, this girl was so tangible to me. I could talk to them on the phone and they responded. I could touch them. I, could, I mean, there, there was something tangible about that. And that becomes this really difficult thing to heal from. Because we say, man, I, I get it. I'm supposed to love Jesus more, but how... Can loving Jesus to that depth compete with the tangibleness of a physical relationship? And so we lower our standards or we chase after those things or we, or we go to those tangible, immediate gratification things for comfort as opposed to doing what we know God's called us to do. Let me just illustrate quickly for you this, this picture. When we pursue immediate gratification, right? What we want right now, we're pursuing the tangible, we know that leads to emptiness. Right? We know that leads to emptiness. Brothers, brothers, you know where that leads. You know in the seasons of your life, in the days and the nights and the, in the years and whatever it was, those seasons you said, I just want the immediate gratification and I want that tangible feeling or release or it leads to emptiness. And yet, when we pursue faithfulness to say, okay, I believe God's word. I believe he is, he is full enough for me and satisfying enough. And I lean into that and I pursue faithfulness with my life. And I say, okay, I'm gonna be faithful, 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 even though it's not as immediately gratifying, even though it's not as tangible, it is true. And I'm going to be faithful to what I believe is true and who he says about me and how he designed this thing to work, not the world, and how he designed this thing to work, not just what I want right now. And I'm gonna be faithful for what is true. And then I'm gonna find fullness. We see that. All of the narrative of scripture, we see that. That there was creation and then there was brokenness and fall. And then there's redemption and restoration in this process. That the Lord is redeeming. our tendency is to just run to the immediate, run to the tangible. Sisters, brothers, you are designed for more. My prayer is that the faith of Jesus Christ continues to extend and grow in our hearts to where we say, I'm gonna be faithful. I know what's on the other end of that. I'm gonna be faithful for what is true. I hope you are encouraged to that end, to be faithful, to chase after what you know is true. Because at the end of that, there will be fullness. There will be fullness. I don't know what it looks like. I can't project what it looks like for everyone in this room, but there will be fullness. And can you sing, he is good in the midst of hard circumstances? Can you pray and praise in the midst of hard circumstances, in the midst of rejection, in the midst of loneliness, in the midst of unmet expectations? Can we still say as a people, can you still honestly say, and yet he is still good in the midst of those things? He is still good and I am faithful. And for those who are in relationships, who are not waiting, they're in relationships, but maybe doing them disobediently, doing them in the way that you want to do them, meeting your desires and your needs at your pace. Can you say he is good? And when you say he is good, and when you sing he is good, and when your heart professes he is good, you mean he is better than you and he is better than your way. And is there repentance there to say, Lord, I don't want to do it my way anymore. I know where this is going to lead us or me in my pursuits. It's going to lead to emptiness and brokenness eventually, whether it's on this side of dating or on marriage, or it's going to lead to brokenness and emptiness knowing and believing that he will never let us down, 
Do we really know? Do we really believe that? That's my hope. That's my prayer. Let me pray over you. Father, as we continue to worship, um, would your faith increase in us? God, we want to be wise and we want to be practical and we want to think through things smartly so that we know how to navigate relationships well, when and if they come and as we're in them and whether we're married and trying to figure out how to lead well and whether we're dating, whether we're engaged, whether we're single, Father, anywhere on that spectrum, God, we desire to do this well and to do it with wisdom. But God, ultimately, we desire to be people who can truly profess and find our, our, our satisfaction, our fulfillment in you, that you are the healer, uh, that, that you love us. Even with horrible track records, you love us and called us. And God, would that lead us to be worshipers that worship and obey you in radical ways, that when we sing, when we sing he is good, that it truly would be a heart cry that we are saying you are better than our way, that we are saying you are good despite our circumstances, despite what we have or do not have right now in our life and in our relationships, despite what we long for, that you are still good and we truly do know and believe that you will never let us down. So make our hearts believe, Father, tonight. Increase our faith by the power of your Guys, we hope this was a blessing to you this week. Um, there, there's a lot to unpack, honestly, in relationships and a lot to we tried to unpack tonight. And so we'd love to help you navigate through some of this stuff and really kind of some of the nuances of maybe uh, your relationships or lack thereof or marriage or engagement or dating or singleness or whatever that looks like. We want to be a church that doesn't just preach at you. We want to be a church that walks with you. So reach out to us. Let us know how we can be a blessing to you. Uh, check us out on our website, renovatefw.org. And there may be a place there that could allow you to connect with us uh, from, from the internet. And so uh, if there's anything we can do, we would love, we would love to step into your life in, in ways that will push you towards this renovation process that we believe all followers of Christ have going. And also, if you've got questions in the middle of the series that you want to suggest for us or, or pushback you've got for us, then text that number I mentioned in the sermon, 682-200-0012. We'd love to hear your feedback, and we'd love to be able to answer some of the questions you might have. God bless you. Have a great week.